This morning, we are starting a brand new series this morning called Build. The relationships that you build, the relationships that we build, they matter. Something that we've been talking about a lot here at West Hill is, is wrapped up in, in words and in phrases like mission and vision and purpose. But sometimes there are questions that, that come up and, and it's a conversation that I'm thankful for. Things like, uh, what, what is our focus and where are we going as a church? And we hear those questions quite a bit as leaders. And sometimes those questions, they come directly to me and sometimes they come to me through other people and sometimes we hear about them from other people. But I'm so thankful for those questions because it reminds me that we have to talk about this more and more. That we have to keep talking about what is the mission of the church? What is the mission of our church? What is the vision for our church? What is the purpose of the church? Not just the purpose of this gathering here on a Sunday morning, but the purpose of the church, you as you live in this world. What is the purpose? You see, from my perspective, preaching is what I do. I talk a lot. So it seems like I've shared our vision over and over again uh, during the last six months. And sometimes I worry that I, I talk about it too much, but after the questions that I receive so often or that we receive, it's clear that I just need to keep it on repeat. But as much as we've talked about it, I know that we have to continue to keep this in front of us all the time so that we stay focused on what it is that we know God has called us to do. Now, even though the vision can be crystal clear, it's still not something that everyone is going to want to be a part of. There have been times when people have come to me and they've said that the direction that we're going isn't where they want to go, but the thing that no one has ever said is that the direction that, that, that they don't want to go has anything to do with the actual vision for our church. 100% of the time, it's been about things that have nothing to do with the vision that don't even fall into a non-essential category. And I can't understand why anyone would want, why anyone wouldn't want to reach people who are far from God with the gospel and then make disciples. But I understand that it always isn't enough for some. But I am thankful for those who have, who have locked arms with this vision of reaching people who are far from God. And West Hill has always been a gospel-preaching church. And that's not going to change. And, 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 if you, and if you can, if you've listened to any of our pastors as we've preached, it's pretty clear that the things that, that are really important and really vital, they haven't changed. But some of the non-essential things have changed. Some of the ways that we do things has changed and will continue to change. But the gospel mission remains the same for us, for me. We are so blessed to have such a rich history over the years. And the gospel, the hope that we have in Christ, is still the kingdom goal of all of our efforts, even though it may and should look different today than it did decades ago. Because it's simple. 
every time a Hill Kids teacher serves in a class, it matters for the gospel. That every time a guest services volunteer gets ready and comes here early to welcome guests, every time a funeral meal is made for a grieving family, every time a worship team member practices and memorizes the songs that they sing, every time a dollar is given to a missionary, every time a small group leader opens up their home or makes a batch of cookies, every Elevate weekend, every Elevate camp, every Elevate uh, event that happens, every VBS, it's all for the sake of the gospel. Yes, there will be differences in every church. No single church looks the same. Nuances in the ways that churches perform functions. And these non-essential differences are what make all of our church families unique. But I truly believe as I've had the opportunity to rub shoulders with with a lot of church leaders, even in this community, I know that they are praying about the ways that they personally feel are the most effective ways to reach the people who are in their communities and in their circles of influence. Now, if you attend West Hill or if you attend any church, I pray that you're attending there because the leadership is praying and studying God's word and researching the culture and seeking God's face about the decisions that they make as leaders. And I pray that for all of those reasons that I just mentioned, that they don't just do what's always been done because it's easy or because it's familiar or because it causes the fewest problems. Because that's not leadership. I pray that you get involved and you seek out your own answers about the church that you attend and can effortlessly repeat the vision, that you can repeat the mission of that church over and over again. That if you leave a church, if you even leave our church, I pray it's because you found a church whose vision you align with more closely. Not because they didn't sing a song that you like or they took down a decoration that you liked. I think it's fair to expect that people who know and love Jesus should, they should be there for the essential things. But that's rarely the story. Now, going back to those non-essential nuances, though, churches and people in them spend so much time, and, and if I could be so bold, they waste so much time arguing about those things when they could be spending their time on things that matter for eternity. We just don't have time for that stuff anymore. Jesus has given us, his people, the church, a job, a specific job. And I, as the shepherd and the pastor here, cannot ignore what the Bible clearly teaches that we should be doing as his church. And the longer that I serve in this role, the more convinced I am that mission and vision are critical, that they are vital, that the gospel mission, it keeps us focused. The gospel, when it is our filter, when it is our focus, it, it, it helps us endure through changes in time and culture. It endures all the changes of culture and time. Listen, methods can and methods should change. But the gospel is what we strive to unite our ministries around. Now, I strive to teach truth 
and that remains my highest goal. But I have been challenged and I have been convicted by the word. I have been convicted by the spirit to be more focused on the part that I play in leading our specific body to be doing the things, the essential action steps that he has called and commanded us to do. The things we actually see happening in this never-changing book that we hold so dear. That's what's important. So all of those things explain why we are doing this series called Build. And it's going to explain why we're going to do the next series and the series after that. So the next three months, this idea of biblical mission is going to be influencing a lot of what we're going to be talking about from the main stage here. So let's talk about the mission. Our mission, the mission, the what of West Hill. And our mission is simple. Our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know our mission statement, I would encourage you this morning and even challenge you to memorize this mission statement. That when you have questions about what we're doing as a church or where we're going as a church, that you would remember that this is our mission. It is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That when you have those moments or those conversations with somebody who is confused about what we're doing, you're not confused because you know the mission and that the mission is clear. Our goal then is for people to grow in Christ. And for that to happen, some things have to happen. They must meet Jesus and then they can grow in him. We grow in Christ as Christ followers because we have met the Savior. We have started this relationship with the Savior of the world, and there's nothing more and nothing less attached to that mission. It's all about Jesus. That's why we won't sacrifice worshiping together and singing together as the body Equipping people with Bible teaching, small groups, outreach, family ministry, all of those things, growing deeper in our devotion to Christ in all that we do. So that's our mission. Our mission is simple. It's not a, it's not a complex thing. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. But what about the word vision? The word vision has a lot of different definitions. Uh, you, 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 some of us get tripped up on that word because it tends to be a corporate word, and, and I understand that, but, but, but our vision is important. The vision of our church is what has kept our staff aligned through some of the greatest shifts in our church's history. The vision is what keeps the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is the gospel. So here, I want you to hear this. Our vision as a church is not to reach church people. Now, a lot of church growth, and if you read books, you'll, you'll see this, this kind of idea in, in certain church growth books, but a lot of church growth in evangelical areas tends to be more about transferring people from one church to another. And listen, there are instances where God does move people to other churches, but we're not after that. That is not our vision. That is not our goal. I had a conversation once with a pastor 
and, and he communicated to me, hey, there's another church in town that's struggling. The pastor's made some changes and some people are leaving that church. This is a prime opportunity for us to capitalize on his mistakes and grow our church. And it kind of made me feel sick. Like maybe we should talk to those people and say, hey, are you leaving that church over a gospel reason? Because if not, go back to that church and support that leader. Maybe that's what we should say instead. We want to reach people who are far from Jesus. That's the who, reaching people who are far from God and then making disciples. You can't make disciples if they don't know the Savior. This is what we clearly see in our Bibles. So read that and underline those things and remember those things. Now, the how for us is something that's a little bit new that you've heard about, but it's this process of building relationships with people, sharing the gospel, sharing our faith story with people, and then bringing others to come and see. The goal and the purpose in all of this is having a heart that is aligned with the heart of God. And so as you hear these things that we're going to talk about this morning and over the next four weeks, over the next three months specifically, please understand that the motive behind the things that we're saying, that we're communicating, and that we want you to to partner with us in doing is, is through that lens, that goal of aligning our hearts with the heart of God. Because that's who we want to be aligned with. And that's the bottom line. We are on a gospel mission, a campaign to reach the people in our lives and in our communities who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to change our community one single person at a time. Kingdom influence. We want to maximize our church's kingdom influence. We want to maximize our kingdom influence for kingdom impact because people are valuable to God and you are valuable to him. And that should cause us to be a people on mission. So today we're going to start with the people in our lives and in our world and our communities who need Jesus. When it comes to building relationships with people who are far from God, sharing the hope that that we have because of Jesus and his gospel, bringing and inviting others to, to, to come and see, to join us on Sundays or to the events that we have, they will hear the gospel. But the question that I have this morning is simple. What keeps us from doing those things? What keeps us from building relationships with people who are far from God? What keeps us from sharing the gospel? For What keeps us from sharing the hope that we have deep inside? What keeps us from bringing others to come and see and know and experience? What is keeping us from being intentional about those things? Why isn't it a priority for most people. Is it fear? Fear of man, fear of rejection, fear about what the response will be from the watching world? I don't know. But one thing is certain. These missional things, building relationships, sharing the hope, and bringing others to come and see, are things that we as Christ followers must deal with if we are going to be aligned with the heart of God. And we want to encourage you to consider what part you play in the mission of God. Not necessarily these three words of build, share, and bring. Not necessarily our mission statement as a church. 
but the mission of God in our world and in our community. And so here's what we are calling our church to do. By the way, this is what Jesus has already called us to do. It's nothing new. We just haven't always done a good job of following through. We've been talking about this in a very purposeful way, intentional ways, but it's a Mark 16 kind of way of going into all the world and proclaiming the gospel to the whole creation or to the whole world that could be translated. This is what Jesus did. These are the words of Jesus. These are not the words of Zach or some, some really smart person that, that has been walking this planet. This is from the smartest person who has ever walked this planet. And his name is Jesus. This is what Jesus tells us to do. Not what Zach tells us to do. So we imitate him. So, so what was Jesus's why? This was Jesus's why. We see it in Luke chapter 5, where he says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We see this in Luke 15 as well. These are gospel texts. Mark 16 and Luke 5 and Luke 15. These are, these are words from Jesus about the gospel that Jesus commissioned. And Jesus commanded us to the same mission. He commanded the, same, the, the disciples to the same mission. And the early believers, the one that he came to do was to seek and to save the lost. We must be united around that, church. I hope you're hearing this, this, this piece that we must be united around. We have to be united around the gospel. We cannot afford in this world to be focused on anything else. Yes, discipleship is included, and we're going to get to that in the next few weeks. And that brings us to our main text this morning. So find John chapter 4 in your Bible or on your device. We have lots of reading today, so pay attention. Follow along. Keep your Bibles open or your device open to this section of Scripture. If you've been with us consistently this year, most of you were here when we covered some of today's topic in June. And if you're new, we're glad you're here this morning so you can hear this, this process of build, share, and bring. Now, we are, we are going to dive deeper into these simple but powerful words and ideas from Scripture together. We're going to unpack these verses more, but today is going to be more of a snapshot of each part, and then we're going to break them down in the weeks to come. And the first thing that we want to draw your attention to this morning is build the relationship. So look at verse 1 here in John 4. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so, Joseph, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Clearly, Jesus spent time with people that he wasn't supposed to spend time with. As a Jew, you just didn't spend time with people from Samaria. 
you didn't spend time with the Samaritans, but Jesus had a mission, an eternal mission, one that was out of this world, one that didn't get caught up in all of the traditions and all of the things that go on in our culture. So he crossed that barrier, and he acted on what he knew he could accomplish during that mission. You see, we have to build relationships with people who we're not supposed to build relationships with. Now, I'm not talking about the deep, best friend kind of relationships. That's not always best, it's not always healthy, and it's not always helpful. But a relationship created with a deep concern for a person who needs to hear the gospel is vital. It's what Jesus is modeling for us here in John 4. We see Jesus modeling this all throughout the Gospels. So we have lots of examples of this idea of building relationships with those who are outside of our, our, our safe place. But Jesus does something significant with this woman. Jesus exposes her need. He exposes her thirst, and he offers the only thing that would fill that need, the life, the living water that is found in him. So we share the story. Jesus shared the most important part of the story. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would, ha you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, and as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Mic drop moment for Jesus. People without Jesus have a need. We know this because we have the same need. Everyone has had or still has this same need, and it can't be filled by anything or anyone else but Jesus. Our need is forgiveness from our sin. We are all alike. We are all alike in the room today that we are sinners with the same need, the same requirement the same responsibility, and the same hope. So think about this. How much, and this, is, this, this question is, is kind of harsh, but I didn't ask it. I'm stealing it from someone. And you're going to hear this in a minute. But how much must we hate the lost people in our lives if we don't share that hope with them? And I think we should write that question down because as you think about this tomorrow at work and you refuse the Holy Spirit's nudge in your heart to share the gospel with that person that's next to you or to start that conversation, ask yourself, how much do I hate this person? Not to share the living water, the living hope with them. A while back, I saw a video from an atheist named Pendulette, and he's the one who asked that question of how much do we have to hate someone not to share that hope with them. He rejects the gospel, by the way. He's an atheist. He doesn't believe there is a God. He doesn't believe there's a God who loves him, who sent Jesus to die for the sins of the world. Yet he explains in this video how confused he is by Christians who don't share that hope. So watch this video. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, 
uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. But this guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible. Just let that sink in for a minute. That's from an atheist who doesn't believe the things that we believe in. Jesus shared hope. He didn't just chat. Look at verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. The need is the gospel. And the gospel is for everyone. Jesus pointed out her sin in verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now this wasn't unloving for Jesus to say. It was for an eternal purpose. He was revealing his knowledge of her sin. 
And this is for all of us as well. Romans 3.23 reminds us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the good news is the gospel is that we can be saved by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 reminds us, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Jesus alone saves. The woman continues. She says, I know that the Messiah is coming, the, uh, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I will speak to you. I who speak to you am he. You see, the Messiah has saving power. And he was right in front of her. And he's still with us. He is still the way, he is still the truth, and he is still the life. So we build the relationship, we share the story, and we bring the people. Look at verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. This woman shared what had happened to her and then brought others to come and see. Jesus actually told her to do this. It's an example for us, and I think the same thing applies for each and every one of us today. We are to bring others to the Savior. We are to build a relationship, share the story, and bring others to come and see. And if we are truly concerned about lost souls as a church body, if we care about being obedient to what Jesus has called us to do, then we're going to do this John chapter 4 type of ministry. We are going to, to build relationships with those who are far from him. We are going to share that story, what, what people truly need, the life-saving hope that is found in Jesus. We're going to bring them to come and hear that. It really is that simple. That's how the churches that we see in our New Testaments were built, by the way. People proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And God saved those people. And he added them to the church. People sharing hope with other people. So, build the relationship, share the story, bring the people. The result... And I think we should be encouraged by this. The result is found here in John chapter four. Many believed, starting in verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. He's told us all that we ever did. All of us. It's the same storyline for you and me as it is for her. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world, and that he is the Savior of the world. There is no other in the name of Jesus who can save. And eternity's a long time. There's no other way to heaven than through him. Listen, it's, it's, not, a, it's not about us at all. It's, it's not about West Hill Baptist Church. I've said this before. If we stop being on mission and this church closes its doors, he'll raise up another one. 
Someone will be obedient to his call. And all the non-essential things that Christians have been arguing about for 2,000 years, they still don't matter in eternity, just like they didn't then. And what others think about, what others think of us, doesn't really matter either. Fitting in all of the world's calendar items into our schedule, it doesn't matter. We are here to do his work and his work. What Jesus wants us to do is to call others to come and see, to hear and believe, to build the relationship, share the story, and bring the people. So what about you? What about me? What about us? Are we in with this John 4 example? With this book of Acts, early church kind of example, are we in when it comes to those things? Will you play a part in this mission that we're on as a church? It's, it's, there's no agenda. It's just Jesus. And it's what we want to be about. We want to align our heart as a church with the heart of God, and he cares deeply about people who are far from him. Now, if you've been around here for any amount of time, you know that one of the ways that we do this is through something called the One Campaign. Some of you are engaged in that, some of you are not, but we have seen this be such a wonderful tool in our church to start these relationships and have these conversations. One Savior, one person, one day at a time. And the seat backs in front of you, you'll probably still find a card there where you can pull that out. And it's just, a, it's just the visual of that. And on the back side, it says, who's your one? And you can write the name of that person down that you know needs Jesus. And you can start pursuing that person with the gospel. So do you have a one? Maybe you could start there. And if you have a one, and you've had a one for any amount of time, maybe it's time to make a more focused effort with them. Maybe it's time to make a move, to go for the ask, to have that gospel-focused conversation. And based on our verses today, the big question that I want to ask is real simple. Are you building a relationship with someone who is far from him? Like Jesus did in John 4. And if you're not, I think Jesus is pretty clear in his word that we should be. Now listen, we, we are going to be pushy about this without apology. If you're not on board with a kingdom mission, I'm honestly sad for you because you won't be very comfortable in this church if you're not concerned about people who don't know the Savior. I'm simply not interested in, in entertaining our way up to heaven and too many Christians are skipping around town trying to find the most perfect, most comfortable church pew to keep warm, and they're wasting time. And we have limited time, so we have to make it count. Every single one of us have to make a decision if we're going to be a part of this mission that Jesus has called us to be a part of. We have to make a decision if we have to decide today that the mission of Jesus is worth our time and our, the stress and the schedule, and the inconvenience, and the risk. And I believe we would see God do abundantly more than we could ever ask or think if we just locked hearts with his heart. You know, several dozen people have been saved in this church this year. Several dozen people have now been baptized in this church this year. 
that's something to celebrate and talk about. We don't do the saving, but when people go on mission and they do what Jesus has called them to do, we see things like that. We see God bless. So who do you know who could join our family? Will you commit to build, share, and bring? Will you invite someone to come sit with you next Sunday? Just start there. But build the relationship, share the story, bring the people. We have something to help you remember. If you came in this morning, you probably received a little puzzle piece. And this, this puzzle piece is just a way, a visual reminder that everyone plays a role in this church. That there's no club that you have to be a part of in this church to play a role in this vision. If you know the Savior, you're a part of the team. And you play a role. You are a piece of this vision. And, and this, this is just our West Hill logo on a puzzle that we, we ordered. And so it's, you all hold a piece of our, our logo. And, if, and, and somebody played a joke this morning, like, hey, are we gonna have us all come together and try to build the puzzle this morning? No, we're not, that'd be miserable. But you can play a role. You can be a piece of this puzzle tomorrow. And I'd like you to keep that somewhere where you'll remember it. In your Bible, on your dash, on your desk. That every Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, you are on a kingdom mission. And that mission is something that Jesus has called us to. Listen, we won't accomplish that mission as a church if we're not all working together. You matter, you belong, you have a role. It is incomplete without all of us working together toward this Jesus-commanded vision of reaching people who are far from God and then making disciples. So are you in? And that's where I wanna leave it this morning. What role will you play? You're gonna hear about a great opportunity to engage in this vision here in just a few minutes, so listen to how you can get involved. But we are excited about what God's doing in our church. And when we take time to really think about what God's doing and engage in conversations about things that are actually mission central, you'll start hearing about all the things that God's doing in our church. So have a different conversation about mission and vision. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for the example that we see in Jesus here in John 4. And so God, I pray that we would be a people here in Worcester, Ohio that are engaged with your mission and what you desire for your church. And there are a lot of things that could go on that list. But you came to this earth for a really specific group of people. People who are far from you. And so God, I pray that we would be a church that has a heart that is aligned with your heart. That you care about people who are far from you and that you value them. So God, I pray that we would continue to be a church that is willing to build that relationship and share the hope that we have 
and to bring others to come and see what it is that we have experienced. There is no greater mission than the mission that you've called us to be on. So God, I pray that that would be our heart, that that would be our goal, that would be our purpose, that would be the thing that gets us out of bed in the morning, the thing that we think about when we look into the eyes of those that we work with and those that we play sports with, the ones that we walk by in the hallway in our own homes. God, may we be a people who are focused on the gospel because it is what truly changes lives. We're thankful for this mission that you use us and you receive all the honor and all the glory for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.